Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of all your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And uh, you know, Lewis, it's kind of funny that we waited until episode 89 to do this movie when we should have done it last episode. Um, oh, damn. Be- given the yes. subject matter. But last episode... <laughs> Last episode was pretty good too in terms of uh, fashiness, I think. Yeah, we, um, we just didn't, we failed to mention though the, the significance at the time. Although I realized that and uh, yeah, I don't know, just uh, escaped me. Escaped me. Escaped. Um, yeah. we, we went from fake world fashionists, fictional fashionists of Batman and Superman to real world fashionists with, with this movie, um, which is about Nazis in case that isn't clear yet. Yes. And um, we also have a guest. We should probably say that too. I was just going to say that. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say uh, guest month is continuing a pace. And today we have uh, our good friend Jose on the show. Um, returning guest, I should say. Yes. 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 Hey, how are y'all? Welcome. This is, uh, this is pr- yeah, this is perfect because the first time I came to talk about a really niche topic that I know way too much about, the Yugoslav <laughs> Wars, and now <laughs> it's a second super niche pro- uh, topic, which is wartime sporting contests. So, I, you know, here we are. It's, per- it's yeah, perfect. I, I, thought, perfect. <laughs> I thought you were going to call sports uh, a niche topic, and that is sometimes true for us. It, <laughs> sometimes yeah, for it us. feels exactly. that way online. For this yeah. podcast, that is a niche topic, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, what, what movie are we doing yes. today? Jose, why don't you introduce it? We are doing, okay, this is interesting actually. So it's called Escaped, officially called Escape to Victory. But Nick, if I remember when I suggested it to you, I called it, I don't know if you remember this, but I called it just Victory. Yes. Because I that. It, that is how I remembered it. I think I just caught it on TV with my brother once when I first saw it as a teenager. I don't think I saw it out, but it is often marketed as Victory yeah. as well. Um, so, like, I think on the, the cable description, it just said victory. And I didn't realize it was called, technically actually called Escape to Victory until years right. later. But, yeah, yeah, the actual title card in the film says Escape to Victory. But when I, uh, when I watched it on Amazon, it just said victory. And there are posters, uh, there are mock-up posters that say victory. Now, I wonder if theatrically it was marketed as victory probably i mean it's such a simpler and better title uh, no I, I don't yeah. know why they just when, when i learned it was actually called escape to victory I was like, oh that is so much worse it's, it's... yeah it's it's kind of a contradiction too because if you're escaping that's that's a retreat that's not a victory they're escaping from victory like they win and then they escape yeah. you know, actually they victory. don't even win they it's a tie they tie yeah it's a tie yeah Spoiler. um but yeah, the, this movie we should also mention the the poster is um is bonkers. Yes, oh, <laughs> just yeah. go look it up. If whoever you are, just just pause the episode, uh, Google the the Escape to Victory uh, poster, uh, 1981. Um, they get a lot of mileage out of out of the V imagery. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep. And uh, we should actually we could just uh, transition right now into uh, what this movie is about and who it stars. Um, this movie was directed by John Huston and Jose, you're a fan, right? Yes. That's another reason I picked it is because yes. when I first watched it, I don't know exactly when I watched it, but I'm pretty sure it was high school and I had seen some of Houston's movies, but he didn't become, is it Houston? Houston? How do you say it's it? Houston, it? Houston. Yeah. It's Houston. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess like by my mid twenties, I had seen Sierra Madre, uh, you know, um, Maltese Falcon and, all these, I think he, he did, he did, he did African queen and stuff. He did. Mm-hmm. 
I think that might have been the first one I saw, and I, I love that movie. And then I, I kept seeing his name, and I'm like, oh, shit, I love this dude. And, and then I realized he's the old guy in Chinatown. And Yes. So yes. he is one of my top five directors. And then, like I said, when I first saw Escape to Victory in high school, I didn't know who he was. And again, I, I, in addition to learning the real name of the movie, I learned that he directed it, and I was like, what? This movie is... They can't all be winners, but I was just like, this really is a, a pretty mediocre outing for him. Like, it has some, it has, that, that's wild, just knowing the pedigree of, um, um, as, as the lesser of the two film nerds on this show, I, I had no idea about any of that that you just, that you just dropped on me. Oh, so really? that is, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my ignorance here. On he Pro has Con, a lot um. of uh, literary adaptations as well. He has Moby Dick, he has The oh. Dead. Uh, which I believe is his last film, like the James Joyce. That yeah, the James Joyce oh, uh, short story. Okay. His his daughter Angelica Houston stars in it. Um, Under the volcano, uh, he adapted that. Um, I really like um, the Asphalt Jungle. Asphalt Jungle, yeah. I mean, he's an early he is, Marilyn Monroe movie. Yes, great. yeah, great film noir. One of the one of the great film noirs. Um, yeah. No, he is a, an incredible. Oh, oh and um, uh, he. This is, I guess, a, a reunion with uh, Michael Caine because he did The Man Who Would Be King. Right. Mm. Yes. That's right. Okay, Sean so, Connery, Michael Caine in Persia movie. Yes. So exactly. Houston is a legit film and and as jose said as an actor as well uh yeah yeah, yeah. He was in countless films uh so moving moving on to the cast because we just mentioned michael caine um the the four leads in this movie are it's it's bonkers so we have michael caine <laughs> sylvester stallone max von Sydow, and uh is it pele yeah, it's Pele. Pele, um, not the actor, the 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 soccer Actual. football star Pele, um, <laughs> and that's kind of like it. It's it's really hard to find like other people who are in this movie. Like there's, I, I checked on the Wikipedia page, and there's some weird inconsistency with like credits, um, especially like some of the soccer players and stuff. Yeah, which I, I will. I'm the resident sports guy for the episode and I'll, I'll i'll have some some stuff to say about the soccer players but yeah for the most part everyone besides those four kind of forgettable i don't really i'm looking at the cast right now i can't see anything super outstanding no i i don't really know half the names um i think if we were british we would uh they'd probably yeah, resonate more exactly, with us yeah. i think they're uh classic british actors for the most part tim, guess, tim um, pickett smith is in a bunch of stuff Yes, maybe um, Carol Laure, the the only woman character essentially. <laughs> oh, she was so. Yeah, she's just so there. Perfect. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. She she's been in some other stuff apparently. Um, yeah, but yeah, for the most part, it's it's pretty. It's it's just them four. That's the main. The yeah, main um, characters. And they're the so, ones who have top billing as well. Honestly, that's really it. Yeah, everybody um, else gets like tertiary billing. Is this a remake of the Hungarian film here? Yeah, my understanding is it's inspired by not so much a remake, but inspired by this Hungarian film called Two Half Times in Hell, and then another Scandinavian film um, about uh, yeah the, a similar. Uh, I, don't, I haven't seen the Hungarian movie, so it is based on this movie called Two Two Half Times in Hell by by Zoltan Fabri. Much better title. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh my god, and so it does. It does have roots in stories from eastern europe you know during the cold war um but 
a lot of I think the impetus for this movie coming out in the West was a lot of uh, urban legends that arose after World War II about soccer teams, uh, soccer teams of POWs fighting um, Nazi guards or whatever, or not fighting, uh, competing against a, a team of guards right. um, in a, a soccer match. And this is like, just like every soccer fan growing up heard these stories. Like, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you heard these stories about, oh yeah, the Nazis, uh, they, they played this team of like, Ukrainians and then afterwards they killed them all. <laughs> I heard stories like that my whole life growing up, um, and we'll talk. I'll talk about more detail about this after. But uh, like for example, my Houston MLS team, the Major League Soccer team, is called the Houston Dynamo, which part of the reason it was named that was in honor of this supposed team from Kiev called Kiev Dynamo. They're still around, and, and apparently in World War II they like made them play a bunch of Nazis and then they like killed them afterwards. The real story is way. The real story is way more complicated, and I'll explain a little more in detail. But sure. that's just kind of the milieu of where this movie came from. It's mostly completely not true at all. There was never any match in this big stadium in Paris or anything. But right. that is that is kind of, and I think the Hungarian movie is is also kind of based on these urban legends, these tall tales. But yeah. And what once we get into the plot breakdown in a little bit, um, it it does kind of feel very contrived um yeah a lot of the, a lot of the circumstances and it's like it, it it does feel like a folk like a folk tale essentially yeah mm-hmm. and when i first watched the movie as a even as a teen i remember being like this is excessively mediocre i remember thinking like this is pretty cheesy like this would never happen <laughs> like, right it, i didn't think it was a bad movie i still don't think it's a bad movie no it's it's i don't when i when i say contrived i just mean like the plot coincidences yeah, that allow sure. for this to happen yeah. but like it, yeah. it, it's entertaining it's more entertaining than half the shit we watch for the show <laughs> oh absolutely um, i mean like as i was watching it i was like wow we're watching a movie by like an actual auteur director <laughs> and it just doesn't suck like from the first shot of the movie i'm like oh wow this is good like this is a cool scene oh this next yeah. scene's good these are all fun wow yeah. well you have to remember i'm not as like jaded as y'all like i <laughs> so like it's true what what constitutes a bad movie to me is probably different for y'all so i, I was i was pretty bored for most of the movie <laughs> oh, okay. sure. um our our brains have been fried by this podcast so that is I, that is very true any actual like uh you know uh yeah as you said like average uh mediocre film like that that to me is a masterpiece now um this movie i guess it, it kind of still does qualify for the show because um the budget was 10 million and it only made back 27.5 million yeah, I would. Um, I, and, and considering the the names attached, yes. Pele, Pele was had just retired basically, and he, you could argue, with Muhammad Ali, Jesse Owens, one of the, one of the greatest athletes of the 20th century. So, yeah. for him to to be top billing with Stallone after Rocky and Michael Caine was already a star, Von Steidel was already a star. This is a, a killer cast, and yep. to only make you know, a little under 30 million. I know inflation and everything, but still. It, it's yeah. wild, a little, yeah, really. A little bit uh, of a flop. Yeah, no, I, I imagine the marketing campaign was fucking terrible. Um, yeah. I don't know what the, maybe the foreign box office was trash. Maybe it didn't get as wide a release as it wanted to. Maybe it was just one of those films that was just, you know, a pump and dump. I, I don't understand why this film 
failed uh, so hard at the box office uh, for the what's... exact reasons you said. I mean, these people are legit stars. Not and any of them at the beginning of their careers by nope. any stretch of the imagination. Pele, of course, at the beginning of his acting career, but uh, you know, it's no one remembers yeah. him for his acting. He's career. he's not great no. acting. <laughs> acting. Um, yeah, that that's really surprising that like this came out right around when he retired because you would have thought that would have like really boosted this movie's perception. Because right. um, like when when yeah. Jose, when you were saying that Pele is like one of the greatest athletes of the 20th century, that's that's definitely true because I know jack shit about soccer. And I knew who Pele is. Like, yeah, just exactly. I, I know he's a soccer yeah. guy. So yeah, like, I was aware of that person. Yeah, yes. exactly. It's, it's it's him and and Maradona. Yes, those are the two guys that everyone everyone knows on earth. So, yeah, you know, you stick on a movie across from Sylvester Stallone, you, you thought it would have done gangbusters, but I think I actually, you know, I think we all we tend to think of audiences as like less cunning than they are, but I think most people could have just seen this trailer and be like. Pele, I love Pele, but like, is he is he gonna is he a good actor? I don't. Know. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't need to see that. <laughs> that I, really, I genuinely just think that's what it came down to. People who were just kind of like, uh, that that doesn't look like it's gonna work. We do have this amusing Stallone anecdote too. So maybe there was some behind the scenes politicking that kind of sunk this movie. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. 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 He apparently was, he was. Uh, I mean, and this is no surprise to anybody who knows anything about Sylvester Stallone, but apparently he was a huge dick on set. No one liked him. <laughs> um, he would jet set, like Comes literally across. get on his private jet and go to London or Paris every weekend as opposed to like <laughs> hanging out with the rest of the cast and crew. Where, where was uh, it filmed? That's a good question. I assume somewhere in Europe I should have gotten yeah. information. Nick will do some of our patented live action research. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm doing that right and, now. Uh, yeah, he he also didn't want uh, the uh, professional football players to double during uh, the soccer scenes, the football scenes, because he wanted double? to. He he didn't want them to be uh, on camera. Like he wanted to actually do all of the football uh, scenes himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and apparently he did, uh, it, which is why he broke one of his fingers and separated his shoulder. Jesus oh Christ. Uh, yeah. He also <laughs> wanted his character to score the winning goal, and his character <laughs> is the goalie. And he's American. As they like. And he's American. You yeah. know what? <laughs> it doesn't really say, but I think this movie was filmed in the U.S. That's even better that he so would jet set to, to London and Paris from America. I don't know about that. I actually, I doubt that because... I, do, um, I doubt that too. It, so, it, so many of the players were... European. Um, and a yeah. lot of the a lot of the sets look like yeah, in like they're filmed in Paris or something. Yeah, exactly. And, and all the um, all the they, f- to the movie's credit, all of the soccer players are um, real real soccer players in real life. Most of them were from uh, Ipswich Town, which is this shitty little club. Back then, they were good, but this is this is might be a new thing to any American listening that doesn't know about much about European sports, but. In America, if your team sucks, it's just it just sucks forever. But in Europe, like if your team sucks, it gets like demoted. You go into like lower divisions of leagues. Oh, damn. And so when when I, when I read that most of the players were for, I was like, it's which town? Like what the fuck? They, they don't do shit now. <laughs> and, and then and then it said, which at the time was really good. I was like, oh okay. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. Now they're irrelevant. <laughs> but that's just so so the fact that I think basically what happened was they waited to film it. 
probably in the summer, which is kind of like the off period for most leagues. Um, sure. It looks and, like summer and a lot of the, and a lot yeah. of the um, scenes. And I still can't find where this movie was shot, but there is a really old kind of shitty like GeoCities-esque website I found called escapetovictory.spodrum.co.uk. <laughs> Amazing. Last updated in 2011. Uh, I will, we will put that in the show notes for sure. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. So I found the info on IMDb, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but it says it was filmed in Paris, France, and uh, Hungary uh, in or around Budapest. So Okay. The, I actually do think the stadium in the climax was the actual one from Paris. The Cologne, sta- Cologne Stadium. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah the, so, the Paris scenes look like they were filmed on location, and apparently they yeah. would have been. Um, the last little <laughs> the last little bit of behind-the-scenes drama here. Uh, writer Yabo Yablonski apparently hated the movie when it came out, and he briefly considered taking his own life. Um, <gasps> Jesus. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah, my understanding is the original screenplay was a darker film, like all of the um, allied POWs die at the end of the original uh, screenplay. Which is which is not unprecedented in this type of movie, uh, The right. Great Escape, they all right. get killed at the end. Exactly. So I don't know right. why they, they were so cowardly, I mean. That would have been a better movie, quite honestly. But, um, yeah, it would have. Very few people escaped. Like, it just never yeah. happened normally. Uh, but let, let's get, let's get into the plot breakdown. We might as well. We've been kind of dancing around it at this point. Um, so before we start, um, Jose, question. Do we call it soccer or do we call it football? You can call it whatever the fuck you want. I'm so, I love, <laughs> it is my favorite sport, but yep. this is a fantasy I have of mine. Like when you're daydreaming about a life you're never going to have. But my fantasy would be to be a world-class soccer slash football player or whatever, but I'd be American and I'd be in Europe. And I would be so good and I would refuse to call it football. And it's like, no, it is soccer to me. We just have a different word for it. Get over it. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. When you're an American fan, uh, people from other countries are like, it's called football. And it's just like, dude, we have a different word for it. Like, it's, sure. right. You understand this with like lines and cues and elevators and lifts. I'm like, why is this so weird? That we had a, and, and people who, who get really up in arms about it, they, they are displaying ignorance of the etymology of the names of all sports. Like, the reason our football is called football is because, like, in the 1800s, basically, the different kinds of sports that you play on a field with a ball were, like, not the, – the differences weren't differentiated yet. So when it came over to America, it was just called football. And then eventually here it evolved into the version kind of like rugby or whatever. But sure. r- rugby, yeah. rugby is literally called rugby football. That's the official right. name of it. Um, so yeah, football, soccer doesn't matter. Also, last thing, a lot of people in until the '80s, it was actually um, used almost interchangeably in the UK, soccer and football. But then they wanted to they wanted to, di- to differentiate themselves away from us, so they only they only call it football now. But every now and then, you'll see like one of the top soccer magazines in England to this day is like soccer weekly or something like so i kind of liked the movie just ignored that and didn't care so oh, soccer, sure, yeah. football whatever nice yeah, <laughs> yeah that it's works. definitely going to be interchangeable for me because i'm not a sports person so yeah. uh, i mean it's it's stallone himself to, in yeah. the movie he said sometimes he said soccer sometimes he said football and so. yep yeah that's that is <laughs> correct it's just um, yeah cool. they get some mileage out of that as well <laughs> and being an american and everybody yeah. else being a european um well, Although no, he is an American who enlisted with the Canadian Army. 
which I'm they, sure that happened occasionally, but yeah, that felt. So I yeah, actually strange. I felt what felt more shoehorned to me was Pele, be, yes. who is Brazilian. In Brazil, as the Wikipedia talks about, the Brazil did fight in World War II and did send soldiers, but they were like a latecomer and they only fought like in Italy in like 1945 when the war was basically over. And I don't, I highly doubt most of those soldiers were even like Afro-Brazilian like Pele is. So to make it, the audience clearly would have been like, what is this black guy doing in a POW camp in World War II? like, oh, he, when they introduce his character, he's like, oh, I'm from Trinidad. Trinidad, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a British Commonwealth. Sure. And I, I, in addition to being a sports nerd, I, like any history nerd in America, I am really interested in World War II, and I, I have wondered were there many, you know, black people from the Commonwealth? And there were, there were, there was like some Jamaican pilots in the Battle of Britain, stuff like that. So it's not totally unheard of, but it's still a little weird. And I, I, fe- I felt it was more shoehorned than Stallone being an American. Personally, sure. Paley yeah. the Trinidad, Paley the Trini, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean the the whole American thing. Like he went to Canada and he joined the like the Canadians. That it it does feel kind of shoehorned in, but that's kind of not uncommon for like American World War Two movies. I feel because America oh. did enter World War Two relatively late. Right. So like any anything that. Essentially, I, I, I almost feel like any World War II movie that happens before D-Day, like D-Day needs to come up with some kind of contrivance um, yep. to justify mm-hmm. an American lead. Yep, yeah, exactly. No, it makes sense. Um, although I don't think they ever specify what year it is in the film. They, they, uh, the, only, the only thing you could uh, use to maybe t- uh, set the time is that they mention that the Germans are being briefly when they they pick up some allied radio and they mention that the germans are being pushed back in north africa so it is at least 1943 or earlier gotcha okay i, I do and i mean that radio the, the game itself yeah. takes place in paris too so like that's obviously a marker yes. um, yeah that's so true no, yeah, late, no later than 1943 but then sure. the, again if, if it's no later than 1943 yeah <laughs> that's what it, oh also he said they said, how long have you been here? And he goes, oh, since Dieppe. And the Dieppe raid was in 1942. There we go. Cool. Gotcha. So, <laughs> 43, maybe. Let's, let's probably 43. Yeah, I, I think yeah. 43 is, is probably good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this movie starts off um, with a nice, pretty long and, like, pan and establishing shot of uh, where ProCon will be broadcasting from after Trump wins again uh, <laughs> in November. Um, but yeah, it's that, that I, I joke, but like that is one of the better parts of the, at least like when I first started watching this movie, the set they build for the prisoner of war camp is great. I think. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it had all the, the setup to be a great World War II POW movie, which is yeah. a fun genre, but right. Um, but yeah, uh, we see a, a would-be escapee get shot down by the guards, uh, and then we're introduced to our wonderful international smorgasbord of um, kind of. I think we learn their names, but rel- like essentially nameless um, British officers, <laughs> random smattering of other European soldiers, um, Michael Caine and Pele, and Sylvester Stallone, the American, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Oh, I can't tell you any of their names. I don't remember. No. I, I only know the main characters because they're written down here on my, my notes, but that's it. <laughs> I remember uh, I remember Michael Caine being like, Colby, it's a common name. 
that's all I remember. So yes, I, I remember yeah, his yeah. name and that's it. Um, I do like uh, the, the captured British officers. They are like the most limey fucks I've ever seen <laughs> great. in a long time. Like, oh, I was oh. going to say that that's like one of the things I do like about this movie is it can't be a movie about England without some class stuff, which yes. I like. I like, yes. I like that. Yes. The British are obsessed with that. I wish Americans were a little more aware of that shit. And yeah, um, they're they're obsessed with it, but it almost feels like it's it's like frozen for them. It's like casting yes, amber. That's, that's a good point. It's 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 just kind of that's a whole another topic for another day. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah it, but, it, it is it is a thing. It, and, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I'll just say like it, it's like a major part of their society that and their it, like most. British movies and things I feel like have a remark about it, even in like a passing way, just being like, oh, that guy's a posh twat or like whatever. It's just like, yes. mm-hmm. it's a major, and I, again, you're, you're so right that it's, it often feels like it's just frozen in amber. It doesn't feel like, they feel like they can do anything about it, but at least they're aware. That's all I ask as an American. I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, not, not to say like that there's lots of interclass opportunity in this country for sure yeah, <laughs> or <exactly>. anything, <laughs> but um. I don't know. It just the, the fact that they still have like an extant monarchy and like it's taken relatively seriously. It, yeah, it's like a little more on the nose than it is than things are here. Um, and and I don't I don't think this movie has much interesting to say about it. It's just no, 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 a no, part no. of it's just a part of the set. Right. There's the snooty. Yeah. So uh, Stallone and I, Michael Caine's character, he's an officer, right? He's yeah, captain. he's he's a he's a captain. Um, and but he. He's, he was he was formerly a soccer star before he yes. joined the war but right. he's not like he's not like of the soup the, the camp is divided basically between the uh, the prisoners at least between the like upper crust you know sandhurst officers and then the yeah. enlisted men um and michael yeah. kane i don't think he really is in that upper crust but he is like an officer and stallone's just like the lone american and uh, yeah, that's and yeah. Then, the uh, the enlisted men all play soccer, but um, as Michael Caine explicitly states, uh, they suck. Um, <laughs> and then we we get our our stereotypical kind of honorable Nazi. There's always like one of those in a lot of these movies, right? Like <sighs> like like a, yeah. a respectable Nazi who's like he's just he loves Germany so much. He, he but like he still has humanity despite that. And um, I, I, I think our audience can guess how we feel about that at this point. <laughs> yeah, I also have a lot to say about that, but um, I think in 1981, there was kind of like in this post, especially Cold War era, post-war need for that, you know, that kind of like, yes, they were our enemy. We defeated them. We were righteous. They were wrong. But, you know, some of them were just doing their jobs and, you know, they were just honorable men caught on the wrong side or whatever. I, obviously fuck that but especially now i don't want to see that yeah 2020 yeah. i just don't want to see that ever like, yeah no i think yeah. I, mean, I think the decade it was released in and made and it was made in the late 70s so released in 81 i think it has a lot to do with that that yeah that kind of sentiment it's um yeah it's it's, it's the hollywood attempt at nuance for sure um in in a war movie it's like oh people get swept up into things that they don't mean to all the time and and not every Nazi literally operated the gas chambers and that kind of thing, which which is true. But like right. when it when it comes across in a piece of art, it 
I don't know. There, it's, it's want- there's just there's just no interrogation of it because he's literally yes. like, he's literally, and <laughs> we should mention he's played by the great Max von Sydow, yeah, of Star Wars fame. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, Lor Sentaka, if you would please. <laughs> well, yeah, no, yes. the, the great, the great Swedish actor of Seven Seal and right. numerous other movies, fame. Uh, he plays, and obviously the Exorcist. Um, he plays the good Nazi officer, the one who organ. He's the. It was his. I forgot that about this movie. Actually, that surprised me. It was his impetus. He was like it's his. Yes. Yeah, yes. Like right. it was his idea to. He goes up to Michael Caine, like, I remember you before the war. And he's like, would you like to play a game against the Germans? And at first, Michael Caine's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to play no game against you. And um, I, how does he convince him? Does he, he just offers, like, rations. Uh, right? Rations, like, he, yeah, and actual better, uh, better living. Jerseys, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It is funny that he essentially, um, he, he is like death offering a game to a victim <laughs> and a yeah. reversal of seventh seal. Yeah. I didn't even That's what they were going for. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, so- yeah, John Houston had seen uh, seventh seal. I'm sure of that. Perhaps the writers did as well. Uh, sure. I'm sure the guy who wanted to kill himself probably uh, <laughs> saw seventh seal. <laughs> well, he won his game actually. Um, he won his own game. Right. So, yes. Sure. Um, but yeah, he, he, we, we do learn and it's, it's actually kind of interesting. Like, cause he proposes it, to um, Michael Caine, and we think it's just like this legitimate passion on his part, and it kind of is. But after this, we learn that his role in in the Nazi war machine is literally um, in the propaganda department. Yeah. Yeah, he, but he, then again, I, I stress that there's no interrogation of this because he yes. is a propagandist, but he like insists on as much as he can, like allowing yes. them a chance to have a decent team, like. And you know, sport. You know, I'll just at, at the end, he like kind of re- he's redeemed when the uh, allies, um, they even the score, and he like stands up and claps. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That was, I, mean, not, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it it it, ha- it has that patina of nuance, but it it's just thrown out the window because of oh, of course, if he's an honorable soldier, of course, of course, he's good. It's just he happens to be on the wrong side. Like it, yeah, the, the, the nuances. He really does that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I guess I'm not like surprised by it, especially where this film falls within Houston's uh, filmography. It's, it's this is late Houston. I mean, he only makes Annie, Under the Volcano, Prissy's Honor, and then The Dead after this. Uh, so he's definitely in late career. And considering <laughs> Annie, he does fucking Annie next after yeah. this. Wow. <laughs> I mean, hey. Uh, FDR plays a big part in that movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> so he's, got, he's got World War II in his mind. Yeah. My... That movie is uh, Annie. That's the one that's based off of Little Orphan Annie, right? Yeah. 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 Little, Little yeah. Orphan Annie is literally like, I mean, the, the correct term is right wing propaganda, but I would say it was basically like Nazi, anti Roosevelt, anti New Deal, like yes. Nazi propaganda. <laughs> like, yeah. She, Little, Little Orphan Annie. I, okay. I've, I've seen live action performances of Little Orphan Annie, I want to say like six or seven times in my life because my family was involved with um, a production company um, and they, they, they would reliably do Annie like every year because old people fucking love it and they would oh, drag out their sure. kids to yeah. it. It was, it was like their moneymaker. They would, they would traditionally do like three plays. They would do Annie, a Christmas one, usually a Christmas carol, and then like a passion project that the other two fund. Um, 
But yeah, Little Orphan Annie, she literally inspires the New Deal. She, she's, the, the, oh. song, the song, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, gives FDR the inspiration to do the New Deal. Which, which is not accurate right. to the original comic strip, which was just openly fuck the New Deal. I don't know exactly that how- That is fucking fascinating, actually. You should, uh, I, I suggest every listener to go check it out. Um, yeah. The entirety of the 30s, the entirety of that strip was just openly antagonistic towards FDR and the Democrats and the New Deal. And then Damn. as soon as World War II breaks out, it, like every right winger in America did at the time, complete 180 and little orphan Annie actually forms a commando unit with her friends. And I'm not joking. Look it up. It's insane. But anyways, comics, comics are, comics are the batshit medium. Um, but this is a film, <laughs> this is a film podcast. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. The, uh, late Houston, not, not that good. Yeah. Not great <laughs> folks. Not great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Michael Caine eventually does take up uh, Commandant Von Sydow um, up on the offer and part of the deal, he, he keeps asking for stuff and it's like literally throughout the entire second act is just Michael Caine being like, oh, well, he's, he's not going to go for this ones. I don't think lads. And then like he asks Max Von Sydow for a favor for like a better deal anyway. And Max Von Sydow's like, well, my, my, my my commander won't agree to it and then they just get it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they, they do that like three or four different times yeah and i think i think the most notable in terms of things that i thought were interesting about the movie um was that michael kane uh specifically requested players that he knew of in eastern european countries as he posted yeah. what were the polls and the checks and von von snyder's character explains um it's so good that even though he's Swedish, his name is Von Sydow because he, and I keep saying Von Sydow, <laughs> but Von Sydow, because he sounds like a Nazi. I'm sorry, Max. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it does. He specifically, Michael Caine specifically requests uh, players from Eastern European countries and Von Sydow is like, no, I can't give you that. They are, they're not technically, we, we don't consider them like people. They're not like prisoners, they're in labor camps for yeah. like fucking being killed, which is true. And, and I was going to say like the, the, I forgot about this part of the movie and I actually like this part of the movie because the history of World War II with Hollywood is pretty pathetic in terms of how much they erase the Eastern Front and the massive Soviet contribution defeating the Nazis, which was like by any metric way, you know, 30 million people died in the Soviet Union. 90% of all German casualties were on the Eastern Front. Like, not, not to downplay what the Western Allies did, but it was just not really comparable. And um, So I did like that this movie, one, highlighted that there was people in the East also fighting right. and dying. And two, it went out of its way to show that they were, like, they were at death camps, basically. It, yeah. uh, a lot of historians include 5 million Soviet POWs in a, like amended uh, Holocaust count of 11 million deaths on top of the 6 million Jews and other minorities because yeah, most Soviet POWs were just like sent to death camps. I don't think they were like, you know, just straight up gassed as much as and killed as much as Jewish people and other people, but they were like worked to death, not fed at all. And in this movie, when Michael Caine requests 
uh, some Eastern European players, they show up and they're emaciated, ragged, not fit to play. Right. Um, and I remember rewatching this just now and I was like, oh, this is, this is good for this movie. And, you know, I guess that's the root of it being inspired by this Hungarian movie and some of the writers and producers and stuff have slogged names. So, yeah, that, that's a good example of the type of World War II nuance that is typically missing from, from Hollywood, Hollywood World War II movies. Because, especially um, back then. Especially back then, yeah. Because like, and, and the part of that sequence that really struck me is like when these former concentration camp inmates were, were brought to the, the prisoner of war camp, um, everyone, like all the other prisoners, of, like all the other POWs are like staring at them in shock. Like, we, like yeah. mm-hmm. we're going to lose. Like these people are sticks and like, they're, yeah. they're bags of bones and they ha- they're covered in mice and everything. Um, and that idea of like a hierarchy of prisoners, even within prison, because um, you have the officers at the top and you have the enlisted men and at the very bottom you have the, the, the non-humans essentially, um, according to the Nazis. It, it, it was just like a visceral reminder of that. And um, yeah, it, it was just like a, an understated moment in an otherwise bombastic sports movie. And uh, the, the other cool thing about it was it was a way to demonstrate Michael Caine's character because he realized they showed up and he's like, well, these guys aren't fit to play. But then he's just like, well, fuck, we still have to play because if we don't, they're going to just send these guys back right. to the death camps and they're going to die. So we have like, for their sake, we have to just keep going with this game. Right. And I, I thought that was a pretty interesting, it was a Michael Caine's character. He was really concerned about he, his main thing was he didn't want to have death on his conscience. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice bit of characterization. Uh, that's something that is lacking amongst um, literally every other character for the most yeah. part, who's not the the main four. And even Pele doesn't really, I mean, there's not much characterization except he's very good at football. Pele um, gets... He's not a character. He's Pele not a character. No, he's not. lines, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he, he basically taught them how to play football and then they all have to teach him how to act. I mean, that's how it went. More or less. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's actually impressive how bad his acting is. <laughs> like given, yeah. given the little material he had, I'm like, I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, yeah. You can only imagine what's like on the cutting room floor, honestly. Yeah, exactly. like, I mean, yeah. he, he probably had way more lines. They're like, yeah, you know what? It's just, it's not going to make it. It's not going to make it this time around. <laughs> um, I, I do Stallone's character is such a fucking fail son in this movie. He he formulates this escape plan. Um, he he gets a passport and like French papers uh, forged. Um, yeah, by... I, but before you continue, I just want to say like before you continue explaining yeah, this yeah. escape plan. Yeah. Uh, for like the the middle third of the movie is these is like kind of two twin plot lines: the soccer yes. team and Michael Caine, and then Stallone trying to escape. Right. And, and basically, Stallone doesn't want anything to do with the soccer game unless it helps him out. But I just, that's kind of an important thing that they're, that these, two, yes. these two parallel yes. call lines. He, he's, he, he, it is pretty funny because like in the beginning when he's trying to learn how to play and when he's trying to aggressively join the team, He's like, oh, I hate this stupid game. What is this? Like, what is? We, we play real football over in America. We're, we're, yeah, he's like tackling everybody. <laughs> it's like using his hands. It's yeah, like, using his doing? hands yeah. to catch the ball. <laughs> Did either of you ever play soccer as a kid? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. For a while. It seems like such like a '90s kid thing. Like, 
if you were a middle class suburban kid, like you played soccer for a year or two, even if even I if played, like you didn't like sports that much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was definitely. I mean, soccer mom is a term for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I played basically my whole life in school. Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're clearly more of an athlete than either Lewis or I are. But um, <laughs> hey, I'm pretty good at ping pong. That's true. <laughs> um, I, I am. I am literally holding. Yeah. No. Actually. Right no. Now, actually. So. Wow. Shit. Now that you say this, I actually fuck. Soccer is the sport that I played the most because okay. growing up as a little kid, I played baseball a lot, and that's like where my my main passion as an athlete was. But I sucked at it, which is really embarrassing as a Panamanian. That's our sport. Right. I was bad at it. I'm Panama- I'm Panamanian American. What audience. position what position did you play for for baseball? I was a shortstop. Okay. Um but then by the time I got to 6th grade, I just had to stop. I just wasn't good enough. So I didn't I stopped playing literally and then I uh, I switched to lacrosse because I literally went I grew up in Houston, Texas, but I literally went to Rushmore. Rushmore right. Yes. Rushmore was filmed at my school. So I was a little prep school bitch, and <laughs> I, I switched from baseball to lacrosse, which I love. I love lacrosse. I it's the snootiest, worst sport in terms of culture, and it's literal it, gentrification it, too. Yeah, it it's terrible. The Iroquois, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Oh my god. Yep. That's a, that's a, that's a whole interesting thing because they still have a team and they're really good, the Iroquois national team. Uh-huh. But anyways, um, and but as a sport, I love it. I defend it. it just oh sure, the culture sucks, but. The only through line from like kindergarten to when I got to college was I played soccer that whole time. Sure. Gotcha. But sure. Yeah, it's, I, I forget that it's not ubiquitous to everyone else's life. I, I played soccer and baseball. I actually played kind of the inverse of you. I played baseball for longer than, than I played soccer, but I, I definitely was done by the time I got to high school, like well before high school. Um, because, no, I mean, because it was a small school, like we, you like had to play a sport. Sure. Right. Or so like couldn't sure. feel teams. So right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking to my the kid who went to a high school. We didn't have a gym until the end of my sophomore year. Jeez. <laughs> Catholic schools, uh, underfunded Catholic schools. Everyone, they. God damn it! Why can't I stop doing episodes with these private school motherfuckers? Jesus <laughs> Christ! They 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 should remain underfunded. They should continue to be underfunded. Is my hot take. <laughs> Public school. Yeah, I mean, all shut the way. shut down. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. As some, as a product of the school, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Class um, so yeah, uh, Stallone, he, he cobbles together this, this escape plan. He does indeed escape. Um, he, he escapes into like the urban center of Paris. He, he makes his way. And, and I, I just, I have to add um, nothing about his escape plan and the way it works. It's just, done so much better in so many other movies like the great escape and yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like Hogan, the river Kwai and it's like it's, hogan's heroes shit it's, 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 it's very so pared down and i think that's because you know i mean 10 million dollars even in 1981 yeah. it doesn't get you much honestly I like was, that 10 million I, that was, probably gets you the pow camp but that's it <laughs> i i had to i had to watch this movie in like in like three sit downs and the hardest part to get through without like checking twitter every five seconds was Stallone's escape scenes because I just was so boring. <laughs> right. I will say um, I love his fit after he's in Paris. Yeah. Um, yes. Dark once, pants. once he's actually out of the camp, it's things pick up. Yeah, yeah. Dark pants, uh, dark dark blue uh, turtleneck with a with a, actually the coat reminded me of your coat, Jose. The your oh, your, oh. your brown leather jacket. Yeah, just thank you. Classic. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And, and his his 
Stallone speaking French is. <laughs> That's right, folks. Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna see Stallone speaking French, this is your opportunity. You have to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, he 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 says he says a few lines to a Nazi guard that he he kind of he kind of like socially engineers his way past. Um, I, I, I'm so, I, it's it's a it's a fucking movie, so it doesn't matter. But absolutely, hundred percent, that Nazi guard be like, "You're not French. You're coming with me. Let's go." Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> he's definitely. so obviously not French. He should have pretended to be Italian or something. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Like I, hey, I don't. Uh, yeah. Hey, you're mamma mia. Hey, pez, pezan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he hooks up with the French resistance. Um, this part was oh, really frustrating. Also, so we should mention too that he wanted to go to Lyon. It was his original plan and sneak off into Switzerland. Right. But then because the the uh, officer high command are helping him escape, they basically say, look, if we're going to help you escape, you actually have to go to Paris and hook up with the Parisian underguard and see if they're willing to help us uh, break out the soccer team when they go play there later. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Because his original plan was just like you know, f- fuck, fuck off, off forever yeah. and never see these yeah. people again. Yeah. Yeah. No allegiances to this this group of people at all. And then when he does meet up with the French resistance, um, they essentially tell him, "Cool, you need to go back in. Hey, you gotta go back." <laughs> <laughs> Including one one. So the. I will say all the extras in this movie look great. And there's some really like funny looking like people they found to be extras. Um, in, in the French resistance group, they are some of the Frenchiest looking frogs like I've ever seen. Yes. Including what looks like um, a French George Costanza. Yes. Okay. So yes. that guy is really interesting, actually. Uh, let me find his name. He is a French jo- George Costanz. Oh, <laughs> He goes by the name of Amadou. Uh, he's, a, he's Moroccan born. Uh, and he was a big public figure in, in France. Uh, what, do mean, what do you mean, public figure? What does that I, mean? I think he just like, did everything. I think he was an actor. I think he was, um, he was a musician. Like, he was just um, really well known amongst oh, wow. French people. And yeah, then, okay. Yeah, he's just in this movie and. Uh, didn't okay, so to the American so, audience. Yeah, to us, uh, we're just like, whatever. And yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even click on his like name because it didn't mean anything to me. But yeah, I'm clicking. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, you're okay. right. It seems like a known he, person. He's he was in Friedkin's movie Sorcerer, and he was in the 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 Ronin movie with um, De Niro. Uh, okay, so he's, oh he's been God. like, yeah, that's that's wild. <laughs> yeah, so he did have some breakouts in, in America as well, but you know, it's. He definitely more of a, a French actor, um, theater. Maybe I made the thing up about being a singer, but he looks like he'd sing. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like every every, Fr- every famous French person back then, I feel like even like Jared Depardieu has an album. Yeah, there's that one album that they don't want to <laughs> talk about anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I'm, I'm sure he dabbled. He just has that. He just has that appearance. Um, but yeah, so they they essentially send Stallone right back to the camp. Um, but he flirts with a lady. Oh yeah, briefly, the, the right? one uh, the one female actress. It, you you think you think they might hook up, but they don't. Which well, I was kind of glad they didn't because I was like, I don't know. I was glad they didn't either. But at that point, like, just don't even have her in the movie. Right? Yes. But it's <laughs> not not to like say World War Two movies shouldn't have any female characters, but just like. 
it just felt it was completely shoehorned yeah like like this is an example of like trying to overcorrect for that but just like not doing anything with her yeah exactly yeah um yeah but yeah she just gives stallone flowers at the end of the movie and that's like that's it yeah yep pretty much uh, and then we find out, <laughs> as in intercut with all this stuff, um, while we're kind of checking back in with uh, the soccer team in the in the camp, um, the way that they get around roll call in the in like the big the big lines in the mass like like the big masses of of prisoners, they have a, a Sylvester Stallone dummy that they yeah, hold up next to them. Paper mache dummy is fucking great. And then when they find out. They just like laugh. They just have a yeah, laugh. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, the, that's some Hogan's hero shit. That right is there. Hogan's hero shit. Yeah. <laughs> which, that's which some Colonel Clink shit right there. I actually think that that might be like somewhat historically accurate. I think like if you're like an officer in Western, like a British bomber who parachuted over Germany, you were probably treated like fairly okay by been, these Nazis who thought of you as like racial equals, just like yeah. ordnance militarily. And I, I kind of like that, I guess, that they, they um, contrasted that with, which you're never shown how they're treated, but you're seeing the aftermath of the, the Soviet prisoners. And- right. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Because, like, yeah, Anglo-Saxon, especially officers, they, they wouldn't be summarily executed. But um, the, the laugh was a bit much, like, come yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it's still <laughs> It wasn't, there's no yeah. way it was, like, a summer camp. But. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, um, Stallone is, is just taken right back. And they they do mention like the reason they would want to bring him back to that camp specifically instead of throwing him in a labor camp is to show other would be escapees that it's futile to try to escape. Yeah, kind of, there's a logic to it. Still feels like Hollywood bullshit. It, this, yeah, there's the logic to it. Right yeah. here is where the contrivances start piling up so much for me. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, fair. And my. <laughs> I, I will mention really quick, like, I'm usually really dismissive of plot holes in movies, um, especially, like, Hollywood movies. Like, I, I, I think, I hate that fucking cinema sins. We always rag on cinema sins. Um, that style. You of, should. Like, I hate that. I hate that shit, too. Yeah. Oh, uh, it, it's like Ben Shapiro analysis. Um, it's pedantry. It's needless yeah, pedantry. It is pedantry. Yeah. But I will say, when, when things tonally or emotionally... Tonal, tonal and emotional plot holes, not even plot holes. Tonal and emotional holes are the only things things that bother me. It's it's not it's not like continuity. Fuck that shit. That doesn't matter. You you know, real quick, I I don't like the uh, apocalypse now redux for one scene really, and it's where um, they steal. um, Was the guy played by uh, the the surfing guy, the lieutenant, whatever? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they steal it. Robert Duvall does he play that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They they steal uh, Kilgore, I think, or whatever. They yeah, steal yeah. his surfboard, and Martin Sheen's character, who for the rest of the movie hates everyone else in the movie, for like five seconds he's like laughing with them, they're like, "Hey, let's steal a surfboard," and they're yes. like, they're like chummy pals, and that is it's exactly that. It's that tonal that, inconsistency. I was like, wait a minute, I thought he hated these yep. guys. Why are you yep. laughing with them? That's I hate shit like that too. So yeah, and that's a perfect example because like yeah that fits within the continuity of the it doesn't like break the quote-unquote like historical record of the events that happened but like it it just undercuts the character yeah it it undercuts the characterization and that's the bigger issue for me yeah yeah 100 percent agree yeah but what what's the the whole here or whatever then 
Oh, I mean, th th this is where the things start to build up to that. And, and the, the, the ending is, I'm, I'm introducing this topic because the ending is where it really breaks apart for me. Let's just, yeah, let's just get into the ending, basically. So they, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. So like, I mean, there's not much else to the film because as we said, you know, there's the, the, the escape and then the other track that you were talking about is the Michael Caine training everybody. It's just, it's just training montages. It's really it. It's, it's training montage and a bit of that emotional dissonance really comes in too because like, besides Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone, who's like the, oh, he's the ragamuffin fail son that just is too rebellious because he's an American. Besides them, we, we get no sense of any personality from oh, any no, of them. Oh, no, not at all. No, and we'll get to, like I guess, the, the real climactic decision made at, during the end of the game, but that, that's really, it didn't work for me, and I don't think for most people at all, because there is no characterization, like, I just don't really um, care about any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they 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 have their escape all arranged. The French resistance is going to dig under the sewers into the stadium, um, and during halftime during the game they'll escape. Um, so they get every, everything's arranged. The the under game is on. the locker room. Yeah, they they start playing the game. Um, it's a pretty well shot sequence, like the actual game itself yes i um the training montages were boring as fuck to me but then yes. so my main memory of this game or of this movie as from when i saw it on tv as a kid was that the actual game in paris was like pretty well shot yeah and one thing i like really as a modern fan of, of soccer today um whenever i watch footage and this is a period piece already because it takes place in the 40s but it's filmed in the 80s or whatever um that soccer ball back then looked so hard and physically yeah. weighty and like <laughs> modern balls are so airy and, and I've, I've actually read about players from that time when they took headers and stuff like it, it was such an impactful hit on their head that like a lot of them have like cte the way fo uh, american football players have now yeah. Damn. And they're not even wearing helmets. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. So, uh, yeah, watching that was, I was like, oh, this is pretty intense. And, um, yeah. That to me, by far, the, the the most engaging parts of the movie were the game, the climactic yep. game itself. The uniforms yep. were cool. Um, they had thousands of extras in the stadium. Um, a bunch of Nazis everywhere. They, they had the swastikas everywhere. And I really liked. Out. I really liked, um, there are a few shots of like, the camera would be set behind the goal. Um, so the goal would be like in the mid-ground of the shot and then the players would be running around in the background, like looking onto the field. And then in the foreground, like a Nazi guard would march past the goal. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, it was, it was just like and then, nice. Yeah. Like just composing these different elements in the foreground, yeah. mid-ground background and it's yeah. thematic, of course, so. Well, in general, the whole film, he he's good at doing that. Like the, the composition of like the majority of shots, even it's just like, yeah, they're in one of the the barracks and they're talking about the plans. Like, yeah, he'll use the foreground, the middle ground, the background yeah. pretty well with, you know, all elements and with actors moving and, and good blocking and all that. Um, you know, it's he's he's one of the more talented filmmakers that we've we've reviewed <laughs> on this podcast, definitely. There's him and Scorsese, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. He's a, he's literally a legend. It's just this was yeah. this was so phoned in. That's the word sure. I keep using, but yeah. Sure. No, I think I think that's accurate. Um and and this, you know, this this the game sequence here is I agree, I think it's the best scene. And it's probably because Pele 
help them choreograph it. Is oh, oh, did he? Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. So he was okay. almost like a second director on on oh, these wow. scenes. That's cool. Because yeah. uh, you know, I don't think Houston's made any other sports movies. Uh, so no, I don't. Not that I know. But yeah, uh, you, you see flashes of. And this is, I guess I'll, I'll go into the soccer part here because this is where the- Oh, please, please. The, the athletes shine. But um, so Pele is top billing and he is easily the most notable player in the movie and also the most notable player like, ever. So <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> you, you, Stallone didn't impress you as much? <laughs> no, you should go back to boxing. But um, yeah, so Pele, of course, I already mentioned he's a legendary Brazilian player. He won three World Cups to Brazil. And then the other- the other, every other player, like I said, is a, a real player, even on the, the German squad. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's only three that are really notable. Um, Pele is one of them. And then there's also uh, Ozzy Ardiles, who was a Tottenham star, but he was from Argentina in the 80s. Um, he's the only one who actually, of, of these three notable ones, who actually uh, was like at the prime of his career when this was shot. Which okay. means, and, which yeah, leads me to believe it was shot in the summer. In, there's this like uh, two, basically, yeah, like two or three month period. If there's no World Cup, where there's like not much soccer happening, and it's like from like June to like August around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's maybe when they shot it. And the interesting about him is he's an Argentine. He won the World Cup of Argentina in '78. And this whole movie is about war, the Allies. Nazis, 1981 came out, right? The next year, he had to go back to Argentina for a year. He, he couldn't continue. He eventually went back to Tottenham. But that year, in 1982, he missed out on a year of English soccer because Argentina and England fought the Falklands War. Damn, <laughs> so, shit. So that's really weird. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something I noted. But uh, if it's true that Pele choreographed the, um, the athletic sequences, um, him and Pele definitely flashed the most like actual skill and talent. Like, I think Ardiles scored like the second goal or something. He was kind of, I forget his name in the movie, but it's something Hispanic. And they never, unlike Carl- Pele, who they, Carlos Ray. There you go. Uh, Pele, they tried to explain, oh, I'm from Trinidad, but with him, they didn't even bother, like, why is yeah, this like Hispanic funny. guy here? Yeah. He was like, who cares? <laughs> but he, uh, he flashes some, he did some, some good tack, or some good, you know, moves and dribbling and passes and stuff. Then the other notable guy is an English guy named Bobby Moore, who won the uh, 66 World Cup. So he was also, like, retired. Um, mm. But okay. he was already a, a legend. He played with West Ham mostly in Fulham. But he was a defender. And Pele has gone on record to say he's the best defender of the 20th century so oh. both both him and, and Pele being in this movie was like a big deal I still can't believe it flopped that much because <laughs> so is Pele more of an offensive player yes oh yeah he's a big time scorer um, okay. yeah and, uh, cool. yeah. <laughs> and yeah I mean sorry go ahead uh I think that's pretty much it in terms of the athletes like uh there's a uh, the 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 closing segments right the credits they they flash all the athletes and their real names and show what countries they're from and there's a bunch of some dutch players and norwegian even and, but the most of them are pretty mediocre it was really those three yeah there's not much more to that we should mention to um michael kane he he's like the captain of the team so he's he's playing or 
his body double is playing in, in some shots. Um, in Sylvester Stallone, he started off as essentially the trainer for the team. Oh, yes. He, he kind of conned yes. his way into, into being right. the trainer. He's like, yeah, yeah they, they're going to get bruises and cuts. And I, I know that. I, I played football growing up. And then and, um, and, and Michael Caine's character knows his bullshit, but I think he just yeah. kind of like, I appreciate his pluck. He's like, fun, yeah, right? I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, Sylvester Stallone cons his way into being the, the goalie because apparently he's decent at being a goalie. He's um, decent at being a goalie, and they needed him because he's the only one who had the connection to the Parisian resistance. Yes. So they actually yes. needed him to be on the actual team. Oh, I forgot. This is this was actually kind of interesting. Um, in order for that to make that happen, because when Michael Caine brings it up to Von Sydow, Von Sydow was like, "But you already have a goalie. He was just playing it today." And then Michael's like, "Oh, he just broke his arm today." He's like, "Really?" He's like, "Oh, yeah." And then he he goes to his actual goalie. He's like, "I'm gonna have to break your arm." Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was actually good. I like that. And so he, he he broke his arm, and that was that was fucked up. But that was, that's the type of decisions you have to make. Right. Right. POW camp. So, right. One yeah. Thing. It's it's another one of those moments of characterization and conflict that we don't get often in this film. Um, it's it's and it's almost all Michael Caine. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> He's the only one dealing with making hard decisions and having interesting morals and ideals beyond himself. I I had a sports question too related to Stallone. His presence, like, is being a goalie. Could could an unskilled person just jump in? Because it seems no. like the most difficult no, job. Right? Yeah. yeah. If if, if the, mo- the the movie established that both the German squad and they completely they or they repeatedly mentioned this, both the Allied team and the uh, German army team were comprised of people who, before the war, were like top players. Like they competed in the World Cup. They competed against each other in club teams and stuff. Uh, so no, in that regard, if you had this made-up situation where you had like, even back then when the line between professional athletes and Joe Schmoes was a little blurrier than it is now, even back then, the concept of some American schmuck just showing up and being being competent enough to like not get completely blown out of the water by this like Nazi team, no, that's absurd. That's yeah, absurd. Because like I the. I do have some awareness. Kind of, you, you kind of just nailed it when you said, like, back in the day, th- there was more, there was more like latitude between just civilian athletes and like professional. They, they, they didn't have like modern conditioning. And yeah, because sure. Back then. That's that's what made me even think to ask because like today, that's just a completely absurd concept. It's yes. Just like, oh, some it, some fit guy who played football in high school could just try it. Like <laughs> the the first World Cup. Uh, happened in 1930 I believe in the 20s and 30s is when like modern professional sports became like a thing and yeah at that point no it was it would have already been ridiculous <laughs> sure <laughs> no way mm-hmm. um so yeah the the game continues apace uh the their the allied team is down when halftime hits and four, one. Ha- four to one they have a chance to escape because the the French uh, underground resistance they they do break into their their locker room. Oh, um, I do want to say I do want to say too. Um, in another establishing part where they they try to establish that Max von Sydow is the good Nazi, uh, one of the other Nazi officers like basically intimates them like, yeah, we we told the ref, you know, do what you gotta do, make sure we fucking win this game. He's like, 
but I gave them my word that we would give them a third oh, chance. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Oh, my God, shut the fuck up. That other Nazi, so, yeah. he, he kind of looks like Putin a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I, I, yeah, yeah. I think, I think um, and you, you see this when uh, they play the anthem, um, some of the Nazis just do the, the military uh, salute. Yes. Some of them do the, the Nazi salute, and I think it's because they're trying to show that the Nazi who said, like, yeah, we, we fixed the ref. He had, he's doing a Nazi who, I think he was actually, like, in the SS. And von Seidel yes. is just in the Warmack, which is a whole, that's a, a lengthy tradition in the West of trying to separate the two, even though right. there actually wasn't. But we, we touched on that a little bit in our Keep episode, actually, going way right. back to, like, episode yep. 10, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, they try, that's right, because, yeah, the, everybody is a Nazi in that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and and it's and yeah that's right the the main character is is the caring nazi that's right yep. and and you know we also get um sam peckinpah's cross of iron which is i, th- I believe a 70s film and that's uh entirely from the perspective of the wehrmacht uh and uh yeah it's made up sure, I, like, I i like i i love das boot for example and you, know, sure. you could argue it, that movie does that especially like the main character who is like a grizzled old Navy vet, and he, he's like suspicious of the not not suspicious, but kind of like just jaded towards them, which might have been a thing in real life. But at the end of the day, the the, the main lie, I guess, or the, the main like you know historical inaccuracy is that especially officers like didn't know what they were doing to civilians and Jews. Like they ha- they obviously knew. So yeah. that's like my main issue with that shit. But I think you can tell a story about the German military in World War Two. I don't yeah, think it's to, like off limits, but no, no, no. To, yeah. to to be clear, I I don't think. I mean, I'm I'm going to speak for Lewis here too because I know what he's thinking most of the time. But um, accurate. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. I there are nuanced stories to tell uh, yeah. of Nazi of Nazis. So, like yeah, even I, of I, Nazis, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem like you can't. But but I don't think th- this type of movie has the capacity to. That's the thing. It oh, it, yeah. it, need, it needs the proper context. It needs to be a movie this that treats. Fucking- that treats the subject with, with enough gravity that the subject yeah. does deserve. This is a, because this is a, a, a silly sports movie. Like, yeah, because if, if you kind of just like blithely run with those those tropes and those archetypes and and those stock characters of like the honorable Nazi in popular Hollywood movies, like those things will seep into public consciousness. And um, that's, boy, have they! Yes, yeah. That's anyways, that's the danger. That's the danger. So I I brought up I stopped you before you continue with the plot. To mention that because throughout the the game the refs are really easy on the Nazis and they're just like beating and I think when they go into halftime Pele is like knocked out. Yeah, he is. And then the uh, other thing um, I liked how when they came out in the uh, the national anthems played beforehand they played the uh, the Hohenfriedberger which is a uh, famous German military tune and I only know about it because of Barry Lyndon my favorite movie. Oh yes, nice. <laughs> I haven't I haven't nice. seen this movie since I was a kid, and I recognize it. I'm like, oh shit, that's the movie. From, that's the song from Berlin. It's an old <laughs> old Prussian tune. Gotcha. But anyways, so yeah, they, they go into halftime. Pele's injured. He's out. They're down four one. The refs have been allowing all kinds of fouls. Pick up in there. Yeah, I mean they they have an attempt to escape, but um, they're like, come on, lads, we got we got to give it our all. We, we have a, yeah. we have a shot. We we have a shot at we winning. Win this. This, this, so I, this is where I, it falls apart. This is where yeah, it falls this, apart for me. This I, I yeah, it's alluded crazy. to this. I alluded this to this near the beginning. This is the main moral decision that this movie hinges on that they make. 
they have a chance to escape just the soccer players. But for some, they're just like, come on, like Pele is the one who, Stallone, as rightly so, is like, guys, could you want to go back to the prison of war camp? Let's get out of here, come on. And seemingly the only one who wants to continue with the escape plan. And Pele ends up being the one to convince him to stay because they need him in goalie. And of course, Pele is just not up to the task of delivering a role. Oh, yeah. He's like, come yeah. on, this is more than just a game to us. And it's like, there's just... Is it? Is it? Yeah, right? Where has <laughs> that ever has, been established in this yeah. film that it's anything more than just a nothing, game? Yeah, the movie has done nothing to earn that... No, right. You know, and that, that turn of whatever, of story. And, and like the way it's framed, because they, they go on to play, they, they, they tie at 4-4 and because uh, soccer is a fake sport that nobody likes, <laughs> uh, ties are allowed. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Well... I'm kidding. well no, 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 no. I, I want to mention they, uh, they, it should have been 5-4 for the Allies, but the, the refs blatantly he, steal. That's them. right. Yeah, they go off on the last goal. Yes. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the official score is a tie. Um, right. And then the, the French citizens are so happy and overjoyed that they, they, they true, true Disney, we, we just go full on Disney ending here, they, they bust down the the Palisades, they run well, the but, but before that, they're, they're singing La Mastrée, and it's like right. just a completely cringe version of the cabaret scene in Casablanca. Yeah, okay. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Where they yeah. all impromptu start singing La Marseille and it's and just so cheesy. Everyone's running up and jump, jumping up and down. The, the, the woman character, <laughs> Renee, is her name. She runs down, she gives Sloane a big kiss, they hug. Or they don't kiss, they just hug. Well, well we have to mention the, the, the game is tied. But then for whatever reason, and I was kind of zoning out at this point, it comes down to one PK kick. Right, to, yes. And, the, yes. and I, th- I think basically if Stallone saves the kick, the game is over a draw, which is, you know, for the, for the allies, that, that's basically a win, right? Because everything is so stacked against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's the big climactic sports movie play is right. the, the German captain, played by an American, actually. Hmm. I looked him up. Huh. An American soccer player. Um, he, but he looks kind of, he's ethnically German, so he, he looks kind of like a Nazi. And He looks like a Nazi. Yeah, he, <laughs> Stallone saves the kick, and when he saves it, that's when the crowd erupts. Yep, and they then they all run the down. Field. They storm yeah. the field, and then, yeah, that's how the movie ends. Is Actually, they do escape, because they, they, they. Yep, they, the whole crowd rushes out the gates. That They, they kick down the gates, and the, the Nazi guards can't hold the gates shut, and they, they, they smuggle the players among amongst themselves and yeah, like, they put in, like, in jackets on them and they take pull their, their jerseys, off. Their jerseys yeah, off yeah no i thought it was crazy that like the nazi guards do absolutely nothing because like they 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 establish that like there's nazi guards like basically around the perimeter of the stadium you know like on top of the stadium with sniper rifles all these like there's a shit ton of nazi the, guards the Alsatian dogs everywhere right and and then it's just like oh well there's just so many french people we're not going to shoot them of course not which is which is Again, the history of Nazi occupation of France is pretty nuanced. You know, I would rather have been in occupied France than occupied Poland. But it's not like the Nazis didn't commit war crimes and kill tons of French civilians. I really don't think they wouldn't just start fucking killing them. Right. Exactly. And um, we should also mention this is where the the good good Nazi von Sydow he he stands and applauds their their victory. Yeah. um, He's like he's almost he's almost happy. Yeah, he, well, he's inspired. He, he's like divinely inspired. He has like an <sighs> epif- he has like an epiphany when he sees Pele do a backflip kick, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, the bicycle but kick that was the, the coolest kick thing. Is great. 
but no, I mean, just it, and it, it, this is like the the thing I mentioned about like the the emotional consistency is being like the most important thing for a movie, especially like a Hollywood movie, um, is like you you had they, two ways this could have been better if the whole thing was kind of like a lighter tone, kind of more in the Hogan Heroes tradition, just like yes, softer softer kind of like basically a propaganda piece like which would have been in keeping with the theme of the movie and then keep the ending where they where they win and escape because that is a propaganda victory i think you and, could even do like, like a catch-22 kind of like make poking fun at just the ridiculousness of the concept of war yeah, ex- yeah exactly and and keep it like that and that allows you to keep the ending or make it a more realistic ending where they do escape and like that is still a propaganda victory because they escape even though they like they lost the game but they still they they, well, they well, yeah exactly they, what would have been the best movie to me is if they won and then were just immediately executed that's it. Been I mean, that, that, the original script right yeah that that yeah. okay so yeah there are three there are three options I, th- I i think either one of those would have worked better than this kind of hodgepodge that we get i think even if there was just there's another option and i think it's the film as it stands but literally in the second act, all you have to do is just add a Michael Caine rousing "We hate the Kraut" speech, and like that yes. would be it. That this film, yeah, would be that's great. a good yes. point. Like, yeah, just have it be about like, yeah, this is Allies versus Axis, and it's going to be played out on the football field. Yep. But it's really not about that. Even it's just like oh, we're bored in the camp. We just want to get better food and we want to play a game, which I guess they thought is nuanced. But I, you know, I don't know. It's it's a, a World War II film being made in 1980 like most people don't give a shit about this like uh, might as well go ham on it we will slide tackle them on the pitch we will slide tackle them on the half line we will slide tackle them in the locker room (laughs) just like (laughs) just just just, yeah just do like a just rip off churchill or something but um and yeah you 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 had an angle to demonize the nazis with like the 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 eastern european you know yeah soldiers like You've established in the movie that the Nazis can be ruthless. Mm-hmm. Like, truly ruthless. Not just, like, the opening guy who got shot in the opening scene. That just established, like, okay, look, this I is I forgot dangerous. about... I, I fucking said that in this episode summary, and I forgot that that happened by the end. It's like, that, yeah. that's how kind of tonally inconsistent this movie right. is. Like, what, the, the this movie shot? opens with a guy attempting to run oh. away. He gets, yeah. like, yeah. gunned down in cold blood. And, and, like, and pretty viscerally, too, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. he gets caught in the barbed wire, and then they shoot him to death. With but the, then so, that's, that's, like, the only, like, real sense of danger you have. In that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's really So yeah. if... If, if this movie had gone with Jose's ending of killing them all, like that would have been kind of like a closed thematic loop. Right. Cause like perfectly bookended. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It certainly not awful, but just mediocre. flawed, flawed as we see. Yeah, like is I said, I like. my brain is so broken by this podcast. I was like, this is great. This is awesome. I remember I, I, I messaged you guys. I was like, this is a great movie. I love watching this movie. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's it's so it was fun. It, um, <laughs> and I, I actually I wasn't surprised to hear that from you because I I um, took into account that y'all's brains have been melted by this podcast. But I still I still remember being like I still I'm still pretty sure it was a pretty mediocre movie because <laughs> I feel like even if I even thought that as like a 16 year old or whatever, it is like I mean that's what it is. But <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I mean especially from someone like uh, you know John Houston. For, for for this to come around uh people know, if you want to see a john houston movie watch the treasure of sierra madre we don't need no stinking badges that's a movie yeah 
That is a movie. That's good uh, shit. Asphalt Jungle, I mean, really is one of uh, the best film noirs. Um, it is. It's, it's, it's in the, the canon. Yeah. Um, um, I've heard Moby movie. Dick is actually good. I've never seen it, huh. but I've heard good things about it. Uh, don't hate me, but I think this might be the first Johnny Houston film I've seen. Really? Wow. Bro, I don't hate you. I just like feel bad for you. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm we could do more. I mean, people did not like uh, Moby Dick when it came out. It's It doesn't have a, a great reception, uh, okay. and I, I am interested to see it. Uh, people didn't like that Gregory Peck played Ahab. They didn't think he was the right role. It was the right role for him. <laughs> Whoa, wait. So Houston directed Casino Royale, the original one. Which is oh, like did he? a parody of James right. Bond. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that like it's, a, it's, it's, a multi-director? Like, isn't there a few directors for that one? There are one, two, three, four, five, six people listed. Yeah. yeah <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? I don't wow. know. That's that's crazy. I think it's that's like, a weird movie. Is it a vignette film? I can't remember. I've seen it. It's been a really long time. I can't remember why there's so many directors on this fucking movie, but I remember it. It's like it's him plus a bunch of other weirdos. This is extremely. This is a really weird movie. Just, just. Like, I wanted to check that out later. Peter, Peter <laughs> I mean, Sellers is in that. it. Yeah. But my other, the other movie that's really important to me that he made was uh, the African Queen. Right. Yeah, it's set in World War One, East Africa. Interesting setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But very, it's great, and um, it's it's one of those 1950s Technicolor movies that you watch now and it just like pops because nice. you know it's like the beginning of that kind of technology. And yeah, I just love it. It's great. Humphrey yeah. Bogart. Yeah, um, yeah. I was able to see a 35 millimeter print of it back in my. Oh. Uh, my uh my film school days oh, yeah it was it was beautiful yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't the best print in the world i mean it definitely had its, uh, it's, it's it has its age but it's it's just great to see i mean especially awesome. you know when will anybody oh, ever see a film yeah. print again <laughs> oh yeah actually, oh yeah actually you know this is worth mentioning he since this is a world war ii movie uh escape to victory he like john ford and a lot of his contemporaries he served in the military the Army Signal Corps making movies for the Army, propaganda slash, you know, genuine documentary movies, which back then there was not much of a divide. Between Very few documentaries, yeah. Yeah, and so he did two that I've actually seen. Uh, one is Report from the Aleutians from 1943, because a lot of people don't know this, but Japan invaded Alaska in 1942, and uh, we fought them in, like, it was like the Battle of Hoth between the u.s army in japan it's fucking nuts oh, <laughs> it, it was it was pretty bloody it was insane and that's he made a movie about that and then he also made uh, the battle of san pietro I, I, it's on uh it's on youtube most of these like old world war ii movies made by you know these esteemed directors are all on youtube for free usually put up by like the library of congress or something yeah yeah as, as awful that. as youtube can be especially like comment sections and like the dipshit youtube content creators there, there's some gems to be found on there yeah or it's, it's just as like a repository of, of like yeah. public access stuff like that yeah. or it's, it's it's great um but yeah the battle of san pietro is really interesting it's about this like kind of no-name battle in central italy with uh american soldiers um the footage is crazy and it's like i think john houston himself filmed a lot of it like he put himself in the line of fire yeah. um Yes, yeah, so it's kind of not. I I didn't really consider it. It's kind of weird that he made this movie about this conflict that he saw with his own eyes. Yeah, 
It's so yeah, hokey. It's really strange. <laughs> yeah. He also made a documentary, Let There Be Light, in 1946 about um, soldiers who came back with PTSD. This says, this says a lot about me that I didn't even bother watching that one. I'm like, that sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't released until the 80s, too. Um, oh, okay. It was suppressed by the government. Oh, and shit. then it was recently re-released as well. I think it's on Netflix or other streaming services. I might but, have to watch that then. That's crazy. Yeah, Especially yeah. If- it was, uh, you know, it's still when they were calling it shell shock and stuff like that. But um, yeah, yeah okay. he had, now, he had now, an now interesting I career. <laughs> I feel a little better that I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah, it's not your. It's not your fault. It was. Oh uh, shit! Okay, one last one. I, not to turn this into. No, John Houston Stanfest, but he he did Key Largo. <laughs> yes, he also Key Largo is like the the. You might have mentioned it. I just didn't hear it. Um, no, that, I didn't. It's like that is the when that's up there with Casablanca and uh, Double Indemnity. It's one of those like you know base level. If you're just getting into film noir, you have to. It's got uh, Edward G. Robinson, right. Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall. It's just takes place in Key West, Florida, or Key Key Largo, Florida. It's, it's one of the all-time greats. I forgot he did that shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, he yeah. really he is one of, my top, one of my top five fucking greatest directors, I think, American. Cool. Um, oh, also, I think we should mention uh, real quick, um, the music was all right, but it was uh, composed by this guy, Bill Conti. He did Karate Kid, Rocky, uh, The Right Stuff. Mm. So, you know. I like this it. I did, I did. I did like the score, especially the opening score. Um, after after the prisoners shot, it was yeah, kind 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 of along with like the set um, construction. Like it's it's like nice to hear like kind of old old timey like a full a full score. You know, right? Exactly. It's a very classical orchestral Hollywood score. You know, yeah. I think, especially you know, for nineteen eighty one, it's like wow. What? <laughs> I think th- I think that's the word I would use for this. It's competent, not yeah. great. Nothing I would t- sell anyone has to watch, but like, it could be like worse. The, it's kind of like the definition of a journeyman film, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Just every, everyone's doing their job; they do it well. It's just like the, it 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 never becomes greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it was a film that he um, had a lot of, you know, pre-production work into. I think he kind of fell into this one. You know, I don't think he really sought this one out. This one might have sought him out. Um, especially with the rewrites it went through and I'm sure there's some other, you know, shenanigans behind the scenes. He and probably I, wasn't I, I doing for, anything. So for, uh, one thing I, I was meaning to mention before we even start recording is I think a lot of the problems of the movie, maybe might have to do with the fact that John Houston is an American. Why is he directing a movie about soccer? It's true. And that may be like a big reason why it kind yeah. of falls flat. He probably just like didn't know what he was doing. He was like, Fuck is this for? Like, yeah. Hey, Pele, just run around the field. I don't know. God damn. Yeah, Pele, here's a camera. You figure it out. You, you just do this part <laughs> for me, okay? You, you, you know this. This is your department. Oh, um, who's this worker of note that you have here, Louis? Yeah, speaking of workers of note, we have, uh, we have an interesting one here. Uh, and Jose knows more about this guy, the, uh, the goalkeeper who trained Stallone. Um, yes, his name is Gordon Banks, and... He is really important to English people like uh, Bobby Moore. He was on that back line in the legendary English 1966 team. I'll talk about them real quick because it is kind of interesting. 
um, the 1966 World Cup was held in England. England, of course, invented the not invent, they codified the sport. It's hard to really give anyone credit for the idea of kicking a ball around. But <laughs> sure. the English codified the sport. They said they wrote the first rule books. Uh, it was invented by uh, upper class British private school kids, basically. That's the origin of pretty much all sports in the West, including rugby, cricket, baseball, right. all of them. It all goes back to like upper class British people in the 1800s were the only people who had enough free time during the Industrial Revolution right. to think of this shit. Right. So um, 1966 the f- was a very interesting World Cup for many reasons. Pelé played in it, um, I think. He didn't win, but his first World Cup was in 1958, his first victory. So he was, he was still active at the time. He might have been injured or something. I'm not entirely sure. But the final of 66 was between Germany and England. And this is 20 years after World War II. Very emotional. <laughs> you know, he was in London in Wembley. Um, so, you know, these are people who just survived this horrendous, you know, London had just gotten bombed to shit 20 years before. And it came down to a uh, really dramatic, like, basically like bad call. This is before t- like, you know, replays and stuff. And basically the Germans to this day, they think that they scored a goal and a lot of the footage would back them up on that, but it wasn't counted and the English won and it was, I think their only World Cup victory. So that that that, that moment was one of the chants that the English fans chanted was uh, "Remember the war," stuff like that. And uh, so it, it's literally the opposite of what happened in this movie. Yeah, it's this movie. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's really interesting that Bobby Moore was involved in this movie, and then yeah, yeah, also yeah. Um, yeah, this guy. Was That's the only involved. time England's ever won the World Cup. They're like not. It's weird. They're like not that good at soccer on an international level. It's really interesting. It's I don't know. They're all they're all inbred, kind of pasty fucks. So it makes sense. But that's like, that's the thing. No, that's the thing though. European soccer now, if you watch it, it's mostly immigrants. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but other teams. I didn't know like the English teams are like that too. No. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I mean, okay. England. They London's one of the most international diversities yeah. on earth. That's they, true. That yeah. That's I'm one of my. A lot of people of African descent, uh, black black British people on their team. And, uh, for some reason, they're not, they're just not very good. It's weird. So it's, hmm. I would love to just blame it on their pasty inbredness, but no, that's not it. I don't know what's going on. Like the it's German the, team is also very diverse now. The French team is super diverse, but. It's the pasty inbred leadership. Yeah, I was about to say. It could be, it could be that. I, but I mean, this is a whole other topic, but I, I think, I think the main issue is uh, just um, money, basically. They are like. Sure there's too much money involved in English soccer that they always yeah. succumb to their own pressure. But anyways, yeah, this, this Gordon, okay. this Gordon Banks guy, he, uh, he was the goalkeeper on that legendary 66 team that is still, that means so much to people in England. You have no idea. And it, it is England, not Great Britain. Scotland has their own right. team. Wales has their own team. Which they mentioned in this movie. You remember that? Yeah, they do. No. That's right. Yep. <laughs> they mentioned that all the British teams have their own soccer teams and Von Steigl's like, Phew, you call that international? <laughs> um, but anyways um yeah he's the one who trained stallone behind the scenes um which is just so funny to imagine this legendary goalkeeper he's like, hey, how, do you, how do you do this thanks like, i don't know it's just sweaty meathead just like hey, <laughs> i couldn't use my hands i thought you were yeah. called football <laughs> yeah. oh here we, here we go i'm actually looking at, at banks's wiki right now in the 1970 World Cup, he made one of the game's great saves to prevent a Pele goal. 
but was absent Ooh. due to ill but was absent due to illness as England were beaten by West Germany at the quarter stage final. So yeah. that was four years after they won in sixty six. So he was playing with Paley, he was playing with all of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's cool they had a little mini reunion here. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, that was um that was escape to victory. Uh we do have some closing thoughts here. Um my broke recommendation is for American football fans because uh, other sports can be fun. Um, it's, I, I, um, I don't dislike sports. I, I just do not have very much of an active interest. But I mean, I, I was enthralled throughout the actual game at the end, the, the whole third act. It's, it's very well shot. It's very yeah, actually, kid, I, you, you mentioned that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that actually, uh, the, the impetus for this episode even happening was I think Felix or, oh it was oh yeah it was the um, the the NBA strike lockout oh, whatever oh, you want to call it just put a pin in this because that's my that's my last recommendation we'll, we'll, we'll okay, get there then, then, yeah, yeah. then we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> so we'll make sure we got that yeah we, no we will we will um, Lewis take woke uh, our woke recommendation is for anyone interested in a little known movie that prominently features non actor athletes. Um, there's definitely a storied Hollywood tradition of films like that. Um, generally, you'll see it, though, with, like, you know, cameo roles or, yep. you know, maybe it's actually wrestlers who become actors, stuff like that. They're more um, thematic. They're more dramatic. Right. Exactly. You, you, know what, you know what I think the best example of this, like, ever in any medium is the uh, baseball episode of The Simpsons, the classic one. Yes. yes that that yes, was yes. that was just uh, – those were just voice roles. That's just – there's like there's like 30 like walk on yeah. episode like guests epi- like roles it's yeah it's wild. I, th- I think it was the record for most guests in a simpsons episode Damn. they all did great it was all funny and it's just yeah it was it was a classic john schwartzworth or whatever the fuck his name is episode i'm just thinking i'm just thinking like our our generation's like ironic example the great one is 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 space jam of course right um but like of course that's kind of like an ironic like Looney Tunes are real, but we're doing it poorly. Not like, uh, not like Joe Dante. Um, so like, it's kind of a joke that like Michael Jordan can't really act, but he's leading that movie. Um, but I mean, better than, than Pele. <laughs> he is better than Pele. Much that is yeah. very true. <laughs> and I, I, I love Pele. He was in yeah. No, I mean, no disrespect. Up. He's clearly a legend he, I in think his field. Even with the language barrier. I think he was like a uniquely shitty player because at this point he was like, or uniquely act, uniquely shitty actor. Cause at this point he's like 40, 41. He's been in the public eye for decades. Like his English is pretty good. That's, that's what shocked me. Like he, that's not the he, issue. He's probably been doing interviews and shit. Right. Like he, he's I been guess. doing the press junket for a pretty long time. Actually, Paley actually stands out in terms of his composure and like the way he handles the press and stuff. And there's actually, I will I will mention this in, in my recommendation. Okay, cool. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, our, our bespoke recommendation here. Um, any nerds who are living in America today, because uh, like they're they're the culture right now is way way too unfairly kind of on the side of of, of nerds. Like, fucking Marvel DC owns everything as as our as our reliable whipping boy there, but um. Everything from like Silicon Valley to the valorization of STEM because that's more valuable to the military than recruiting some dipshit kid out of high school. But like, 
historically jocks have always been more d- against fascism than nerds have because nerds run fashion nerds are fascists they are <laughs> ner- nerds are the fascists and uh, as jose was alluding to earlier um the nba strike uh as, as kind of disappointingly as it ended thanks obama um <laughs> way more inspiring and effective at, at least temporarily than anything like i don't know out of silicon valley fucking zuckerberg like yeah keeping up the or propaganda Hollywood. machine that Facebook has become or Hollywood. Right. You know, and then also think back to, you know, post-war uh, Operation Paperclip, right? So it's oh, like yeah. s- nerds are fucking fascists always. <laughs> like this is how, that's just what happens. Well, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be kind because we're representing the nerds here. All, all three of us <laughs> to some extent. Um, ner- nerds Fine. are more predisposed to being fascist than jocks are, I would say. Well, it's, it's fascism is bred by resentment. Yeah. And yes. Uh, yes. there's there's nothing inherently wrong with what to me a nerd is not defined by what they're into. You can be into anything. It's cool that you're. My dad's a theoretical physicist. Okay, like that's not what makes you a nerd. What makes you a nerd is when your hyper focus or interest in something comes at the detriment of you being able to connect with yes. other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it becomes and your personality, and that's it. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. Exactly. And that that's that's when it becomes a problem. And then that's what, I mean, if you look at the Nazi high command, yeah, some of them looked like Aryan Superman, but most of them looked like Himmler, who was just this right. dork. Yeah, yeah. And um, another characteristic of nerds that I, I think is very pronounced, but people will never mention really, is um, they're obsessed with classification. They're obsessed with classifying things. And like, Which we, we, we mentioned in the Enemy at the Gates episode, where we talked about the way like gun nerds like yes. obsessed with like yes. gun nerd. terminology. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you, you think of things as superfluous as like Dungeons and Dragons, right? It's like, oh, we're going to take all these like th- this rich story tradition of like fantasy. And we're going to slot it into little archetypes that everyone can be. And then like <laughs> are, are things as like, I mean, to, to take it to an extreme example, like Nazis doing race science. It's like different, different hierarchies and classes of like people. Uh, I, I really do think there's something to the idea that like nerds have this fetishistic compulsion to classify everyone and everything down to its tiniest component so it can be organized and and everything can be explained away neatly there can be no nuance there can be no ambiguity everything's just like everything's its own number because that's what classification is i have i haven't thought of that before that's really interesting (laughs) (laughs) well that's what we do here in procon uh we we offer fresh insights for everyone um but yeah, I think we, we've pretty much escaped to victory here. I think we've escaped to the ending. I was gonna, um, I was gonna offer one recommendation. Do it, yes, yeah, do it. it. And it was uh, related to, why did, oh yeah, um, on HBO right now, there's a great documentary. It's just called Diego Maradona. And it's by Asif Kapadia, I think is his name. He did the Amy Winehouse doc that won an okay. Oscar and uh, the Ayrton Senna doc, another sports doc that I love. But the Diego Maradona one is great for many reasons. Pele is in it in the beginning, and, and I, I was about to bring it up because I was going to mention that Pele actually had a lot of great composure. And, um, in the beginning of that doc, Maradona, in addition to also being one of the greatest athletes of all time, is crazy. That's what the whole doc is about. It's about his, like, his degeneration of his personal life. Um, how he became like a drug addict and shit. But at the beginning of the doc, they show Pele at the beginning of Maradona's career in the 70s and someone a reporter asked him about him he's like 
Mardona, in Portuguese, he says, Mardona, you know, he can be one of the all-time greats, but I don't think he has, like, the mental maturity to really handle the weight of this responsibility. And he was totally right. Mardona was <laughs> so, uh, Pele wasn't just an athlete. Like, he, he was really, which I hate back on Gladwell, but he, he did once say on a podcast I listened to years ago when I would listen to a Malcolm Gladwell podcast. He did once mention that there's this idea that athletes are all airheads, but actually in the modern era, to, be, to get to the level of dominance that you need to be to be a professional athlete, you actually really have to have like a mental focus and consistency and composure a lot of the times where like a lot of athletes are actually like really articulate, like yeah. really, they're not just dumb jocks. And, and Paley is kind of like that. So it, it, it was actually kind of surprising to me to see how bad of an actor I wasn't expecting oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Golden Globe shit, but. Right, yeah. I actually, it was worse than I, his acting was worse than I remember. Other stuff was a little better, but yeah, Paley's acting was worse than I remember. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I got the I sense would, he just didn't care that much. He was just. Yeah. But I, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, exactly. I would highly recommend people check out the documentary because the other interesting thing that listeners of this podcast would probably like is Maradona was a poor person from Argentina, um, which really shaped his attitudes about things. But he, and he won the World Cup famously with Argentina after the Falklands War. And again, and his greatest game ever was against England in 1986. Where he scored, he scored arguably the greatest goal of all time, and it was immediately after the Falcons War, and it was just, oh, that was that's probably the greatest goal, maybe sports play ever. But then also in his professional, his club career, he played for Naples, and Naples is like the toilet of Italy in terms of the way they're treated, the people there, and they show when Maradona in Naples, Napoli, when they go play in the northern, wider, richer clubs like Verona and. You know, Milan and stuff. Uh, they they show the chance. They're like genocidal. They're like, you. They show that some of the banners. This is the '80s banners. Yeah, yeah. An Italian fan. They say like apartheid on it and stuff. Damn, Christ. Yeah, not surprising. Uh, no, no, this is surprising. The Italians, well, it's very interesting. Yeah, right. And, and they had these chants that are like, Vesuvius, Vesuvius, come on, wash away in Naples, like. Damn. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, so really, I, you don't have to be a sports fan at all to enjoy that one. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's on HBO. What was it? Uh, drop the title one more time. It's just called Diego Maradona. Cool. Simple Perfect. title. Nice. Awesome. It is in my queue because yeah. you had mentioned it in one of our group chats. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Uh, it's right here. Awesome. I should watch this. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. really good. I really highly recommend it. So, yeah, that was everything. Um, I'll, I'll run through our. Uh, plugs really quick uh follow us on uh, patreon pro underscore con no spaces uh twitter.com as opposed to the other types of twitter uh we are at proletarian c no spaces um facebook just search proletarian contrarian and instagram we are proletarian period contrarian no spaces um jose thank you so much this was a great episode you're always thanks for coming back your insane nerdy focus on shit that we, 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 we don't know because it's outside of our intensely narrow focuses yes no it's it's good it's good to have another subject matter expert that is uh, something that's not just film so yeah um this is this is great thanks for inviting me um this is also great because i, I think this is like one of the most even though it's virtual and it's just one of the, the most social things i've done since 
we should have started. So. <laughs> Jeez, you're, not, you're not kidding, man. It's yeah, yeah. Pressing but true. Sorry. Yeah, it really is helping. Hey, I'm. I mean, we're we have a lot of guests coming up, but we we will be having you back on for another one soon. Oh, for sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll try to think of something. This one was just. Uh, can do uh, Airbud or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but th- this one was just uh, what's the word? Uh, it, was, it just it was just timed perfectly because the, this the strike yeah. just happened and it, yep. it, the thought just entered my brain. So I worked out. All right. Well, we'll see you next week, folks. See you next time. All right, y'all. In 1942, the Nazis thought they were sitting on top of the world, never suspecting that they could be toppled in one conflict, the most unusual battle of the war. It has been decided that a German national team will play a combined team from the prisoners of war of the occupied territories. That's crazy. Okay, I'm ready to sign up. Sign up. And you ought to be exhibited in Paris like performing fleas. What about me? Get out. A stacked game. The Third Reich's finest against a ragged bunch of prisoners of war. The Germans thought they had it made. They couldn't run about for 90 minutes. They'd be chucking their guts up. Am I good? Or am I good? What's your name? You know my name. What's your name? I decided to join the team. The American? No. You use that bloody American style again here and you'll be fired. Look, you're playing every shot American. Can you do with your mouth shut? Hey, the mouth and the hands work together. It's a team. This match is a propaganda stunt for the Germans. It's a wonderful opportunity.